Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and today I am joined by our our favorite guy in the whole world, Mr. Randy Spate. But we've got a new guest. We got somebody we've never had on before, somebody I actually met like four hours ago. And now we're hanging out and we're talking. He is a pastor that lives in Columbia. He is a church planner. He works with uh, the deaf community, and he works in a prison ministry, uh, reintegrating people back into culture from prison, helping them get their lives set out. And his name is Juan Pablo Jara, right? Jara. I got it. Yeah, all right. I like it. And uh, so why don't you start by letting us know a little bit about yourself, your background. Okay, bueno, muchísimas gracias. Well, thanks a lot. Eh, por el tiempo. Thanks for the time. Ah, uh, bueno, entonces, uh, comentaba, yo vengo de Chile, yo nací en Chile. So I was born in Chile. Y uh, a los 24 años, bueno, a los 20 años tuve mi encuentro con Jesús. When I was 20 years old, I came to know the Lord. Y a los 24 años tuve la oportunidad de salir como misionero. Four years later, I left uh, Chile as a as a missionary. Y estuve sirviendo en eh, la iglesia eh, en Ecuador con y trabajando con comunidades indígenas. I, uh, as a missionary in Ecuador, I worked with the indigenous communities of Ecuador. Y me encantó tanto la comunidad indígena que me casé con una indígena. I loved <laughs> what I was doing so much that I married um, uh, an Ecuadorian uh, Indian, uh, one of the indigenous people of Ecuador. Uh -huh. Y así fue que luego, después de, la, de un año de matrimonio, eh, salimos de Ecuador para servir como misioneros en Colombia. So we had been married for a year. And uh, then we went to Colombia to work as missionaries. Mm -hmm. Y en uh, bueno en Colombia he estado trabajando en el movimiento de plantación de iglesias. I was working in Colombia with a, eh, a church planting movement. Con um, con eh, ministerio carcelario. And uh, uh, worked also with a prison ministry. Y también pastoreando una iglesia donde tenemos diferentes comunidades y dentro de eso las comunidades sordas. And then uh, uh, currently I'm also pastoring a church. And uh, working in different communities, and one of the communities that we work with is the uh, deaf community in Colombia. See? Sí. Very interesting. Um, so starting from the top, and this is just out of my own curiosity, but uh, Randy, you and I spoke about this, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, um, talking about different interpretations of the Bible. Uh, aquí en uno de los podcasts hablamos de diferentes interpretaciones de la Biblia. Yeah. Um, in, within different cultures. Como se origen, origen desde culturas diferentes. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get the verb tense right. Oh, you're good, man. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> you're you're going to fool me either way. It's okay. not going to matter. Um, but um, one of the things we talked about was in Latin America, um, in some Latin American countries, how being an indigenous person can be difficult. Is that the case in Chile or cosas, Ecuador? Uh, de las cuales hablamos es que a veces en América Latina ser indígena puede ser uh, difícil. Uh, el indígena es, es uh, menospreciado. ¿Es verdad en Colombia, en Ecuador? En, bueno, uh, lo que pasa es que en Ecuador eh, existen varias, varias comunidades o etnias indígenas eh, Y efectivamente, sí, hay algunas que son, digamos, un poco más 
eh, menospreciadas que otras. So there are different indigenous communities in Ecuador. Okay. And uh, different communities could be uh, uh, belittled. Mm. Sí, pero la realidad ha cambiado mucho en los últimos años. La realidad ha cambiado mucho porque muchas de las comunidades indígenas, digamos, que han venido avanzando y trabajando en eh, superarse o crecer. But things have changed in the last several years. Uh, different communities have, have advanced. They've become more a, a regular part of society. They've become more accepted. Oh, okay. That's great. That's great. Tremendo. Um, talking about um, moving to um, Ecuador and then uh, now Colombia, was that an easy transition? Ahora te pasaste de Chile al Ecuador, de Ecuador a Colombia. ¿La transición era fácil? No, 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 no fue para nada fácil. Nosotros, I sí, 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 no fue para nada fácil porque, eh, la, bueno, la cultura colombiana con la cultura ecuatoriana se parecen en muchas cosas. It wasn't easy. Now, now, Colombian culture and Ecuadorian culture are similar in a lot of things. Pero la cultura chilena es bastante diferente a las, a las dos. But Chilean culture is very different from either one. Mm. En cuanto a la forma de hablar el español. Uh, all the way from uh, our accent as we speak Spanish. Yo llegué a Ecuador y yo hablaba y hablaba español y nadie me entendía. I, I arrived in Ecuador from Chile and I would speak Spanish to somebody and they'd look at me, they'd... They did not understand what I was saying. Wow. <laughs> Tuve que aprender a hablar español. <laughs> so I had to learn how to speak the Ecuadorian variety of Spanish. Sí. Wow. Um, la, la comida es, es diferente entre, entre la comida chilena y la ecuatoriana y colombiana. Hay mucha diferencia. There's a lot of difference in Chilean, Ecuadorian, and Colombian food. Okay. Pero la ventaja, o lo bueno en todo este proceso es que eh, tanto en eh, la ciudad o en el lugar donde viví en Ecuador y donde vivo en Colombia, la gente es muy especial. But one of the advantages that I had is uh, the cities that, I, that I've lived in, in Ecuador and now in Colombia, the people are very friendly. Okay, that's awesome. Eso ayuda muchísimo. And that helps a lot. Awesome. Um, and so now, um, talking about, what, where, where should we start? Should we start with... Uh, you know, working with the deaf, deaf community, working with uh, the prison ministry, or the church planning? Where would you like to begin? ¿Dónde quieres empezar? ¿Quieres hablar de, de el movimiento de iniciación de iglesias, de trabajar con la comunidad de, de sordos, o el trabajo uh, uh, carcelario? Oh, como ustedes quieran. Está bien. Whatever you want. Okay. Why don't um, we start with church planning? That's kind of where he started. That, we'll see where that kind of leads us into everything else, too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Vamos a empezar entonces con uh, uh, el movimiento de iniciación de iglesias. Ok, ok. Perfecto. Awesome. Um, so, how did, you, how did you get into church planning? What was the... ¿Cómo, cómo te iniciaste en uh, iniciar iglesias? Bueno, yo llegué um, a Colombia eh, para hacer un proceso de plantación de iglesias. Pasaron algunas... So I came to Colombia and I wanted to plant churches. A couple of things happened. Mm -hmm. En ese camino, bueno, sucedieron algunas cosas que nos hicieron cambiar un poco de, de, de rumbo de lo que teníamos planeado hacer. And that changed a little bit the direction that we were going to be taking. Y en ese proceso fue que conocí eh, la Satura Colombia. In that process, I uh, uh, became aware of a movement called 
Satura Colombia. Y comenzamos el proceso. Satura Colombia es un ministerio, es un movimiento de plantación de iglesia. And it's a movement, uh, it's a church planting movement. Okay. Okay. ¿Cuántas iglesias han iniciado en los últimos años? Bueno, básicamente es, es un proceso de entrenamiento y capacitación. So, uh, Satura Colombia is a uh, training uh, uh, that people would go through. Uh -huh. Y entonces, eh, el, bueno, en los últimos años una de las cosas que se ha venido trabajando mucho eh, tiene que ver con eh, las iglesias de pequeño grupo. Uh, we work and we train people how to organize small groups. Y eso ha ayudado mucho, sobre todo ahora el tema de la pandemia, que las, los templos uh, estaban cerrados. COVID, as churches were closed down, houses were not closed down. So those uh, house churches mm. were able, able to proliferate. Really? Yeah. I think house churches are super interesting. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Creo que el concepto de la iglesia casera es... es Fundamental. Es okay. muy interesante. I wish there was more of it here. Espero que viéramos más de eso aquí. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitivamente. Yeah. Um, now, is that the, are, are the majority of the houses, or sorry, the majority of the churches you've planted uh, house churches? La mayoría de las iglesias que han iniciado por Satura Colombia son iglesias de casa. Bueno, hay algunas. Eh, inicialmente, Satura Colombia uh, ha estado trabajando, apoyando a las iglesias que ya están plantadas. So what Satura Colombia does is it'll go in and it'll work with existing churches, training their members to plant house churches. Ah, gotcha. Y en, uh, y de ese proceso hay iglesias que han nacido. And out of that process, churches, new churches, have been born. Grupos pequeños que se han venido uniendo y han nacido iglesias nuevas. Some of them have been uh, small groups that begin to meet and they grow into churches themselves. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, and have you seen a lot of growth um, ¿Ha visto overall? mucho crecimiento? Bueno, la iglesia, sí, la iglesia ha crecido bastante. Y creo que lo que mencionaban ahora, eh, creo que este tema de la pandemia nos ayudó a comprender que gran parte del trabajo que debemos hacer como iglesia no está en el templo, sino afuera, en las calles, en las casas. So, uh, one of the things that we've learned is, uh, especially during COVID and the shutdown and the lockdown of churches, is that the work of the church is not done actually inside the church. It's done in streets. It's done in homes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, now, did your ministry with the deaf community start with this church planting, or does it go? Does it reach back further than that? Cuéntanos entonces algo de la, del ministerio con la comunidad de los sordos. Inició con uh, iniciación de iglesias nuevas en casa? No, yo eh, era parte del equipo pastoral de una iglesia en Medellín. No, I was actually part of a ministerial team in the city of Medellín. Mm -hmm. Y, eh, bueno, por alguna situación, eh, el, el pastor de la iglesia de Río Negro eh, decide eh, eh, renunciar a la iglesia y And nos a invitan a nosotros. pastor of a neighboring city called uh, Río Negro, it's Medellín is about four million. Rio Negro is about about the size of Greenwood, about a hundred thousand or so. Okay. So uh, the pastor of the Christian Fellowship Church in that uh, village resigned. Mm -hmm. Entonces, cuando nos eh, invitan a hacernos cargo de la iglesia. So I was invited to take charge of the church. Yo llego a Rio Negro y me di cuenta que hay una hay un grupo pequeño de sordos. I got there and realized that there was a small community of deaf people in the in the church already. 
-huh. y una persona que es oyente que es la que interpreta. And uh, there is another uh, person there who is uh, Colombian. She is hearing, but she speaks uh, Colombian sign language. So uh, she translates for them. Excellent. Y ahí fue donde yo conocí realmente el Ministerio Carcelario, y, y, perdón, el Ministerio con Comunidad de Sordas. Eh, y, y comprendí la necesidad que hay eh, en esta comunidad de integrarlo a, a la iglesia. So that was where I, I first learned about the deaf community in Colombia, saw the incredible need in uh, the deaf community. Now, Juan, Juan Pablo didn't say this, but in uh, the U.S., uh, the third largest unreached people group in the United States is the deaf community. Absolutely. And in Colombia, it's similar, if not even, even more. Uh, there is a large community of deaf and uh, by and large, they are totally in reach with the gospel. So I began to learn about their needs and uh, began to learn about the community itself. Yeah. Um, so question. Um, also, first of all, I, I'm not is, – is deaf the appropriate term or is it hearing impaired? Um, I'm just a translator. I'll translate. I don't know. Well, I, so, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure either. So I'm sorry if we're missing the mark on Certainly that. Certainly don't want to offend No, you. that's not our intention. We're just kind of ignorant on this, um, right. which is not good because we do have a, a pretty sizable, um, not so much uh, deaf or hearing impaired community here. We do have a few people with that. But we have a few here, but there we have is a, lot a of very people. large community. Uh, uh, community of hearing impaired uh, uh, because of the presence of Indiana School for the Deaf. Yes, and a lot of our congregation here has learned sign language, and it's Quite really, it's always surprising to me when I catch people I didn't know, know it, yeah. start signing at each other, and I'm like, oh man, I am, I am out of the loop on this, <laughs> and I need, to, I need to figure this out. Right. Um, so my question would be, though, I know that in America, the church's outreach to, like you said, the hearing uh, hearing impaired deaf community, um, it's not very good. The Mormon church has capitalized on it highly. I've, I've heard that. Um, and that's been one of the big things I've heard, like, just Protestants say over the years is, look, we need to do something about this because, you know, the Mormon church is scooping it. They're, they're <laughs> dipping it and, and dragging everybody away. I wonder if that's a thing internationally, though. Um, aquí en los Estados Unidos, uh, la iglesia evangélica mayormente no ha hecho buen trabajo en la comunidad de los sordos. En cambio, la iglesia mormona, los mormones, sí han ingresado mucho entre los sordos. ¿Es igual en Colombia, en América Latina? Bueno, yo creo que hay una similitud. Eh, con lo que sucede acá, y es que en Colombia, eh, igual la iglesia evangélica no ha sido fuerte en el trabajo con comunidades sordas. So there are similarities. Uh, mm. the evangelical Church in Colombia does not, by and large, minister well to the deaf community. Okay. Uh, no sé qué otras religiones o denominaciones puedan estar haciendo un trabajo con sordos, pero por lo general, la comunidad sorda es una comunidad que está muy eh, abandonada. I really don't know if other denominations or other sects are uh, reaching out uh, to the deaf community. 
What I do know is that the deaf community in, in Colombia is very marginalized. It's been abandoned. Just in general. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so what, what are some of the things, uh, other than having like translators, are you working with the deaf community in other ways? Entonces, afuera de traductores, ¿hay otras formas en que han estado trabajando con la comunidad de los sordos? Bueno, eh, a ver, con ellos es, es, es un trabajo bastante interesante. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting ministry. Uh, porque no simplemente se necesita alguien que sepa interpretar. Because it's not just getting someone who can translate. Eh, se necesita entender... Eh, el cómo viven ellos la realidad. You've got to understand their reality and how they live. Porque mm -hmm. uno piensa que simplemente eh, la dificultad que ellos tienen para escuchar. Uh, you know, at, at first glance you think the problem that they have is they don't hear. Pero eso genera otra cantidad de problemáticas. But that generates a, a world of problems for them. Right. Ellos no tienen la capacidad y tristemente eh, no se relacionan con sus familias. Uh, they can't relate to their own families, their own hearing families. Porque muchos de los miembros de la familia no saben lengua de seña. Uh, many of the members of their own families have never learned sign language. Entonces muchos de ellos son aún aislados dentro de su propia casa. So uh, many of the deaf are actually isolated inside their own homes. No hay muchas oportunidades laborales, educativas. There's not a lot of opportunities uh, uh, for work, for education. Uh -huh. Y ellos conciben la vida, conciben la realidad de una manera diferente a la que la hacemos nosotros. They conceive reality differently than we look at reality. Entonces, es un trabajo de, eh, que, que implica muchas áreas, no solamente interpretar lo que uno quiere decir. Hay que, hay que estar con ellos, hay so que interesarse con ellos. It's not just being able to translate what you're saying into a language that they would be able to, to perceive and understand. It's understanding the reality that they come from and being able to identify with that. Si está bien, cuanto la historia de Henry, el problema que él tuvo en el trabajo. Sí, sí, está bien. I just asked permission. Uh, uh, Henry is uh, one of the key... Uh, uh, deaf leaders in uh, the Rio Negro Church. Uh, he's been the one to really evangelize that community and, and bring people into the church. They right now have 25 to 30. So Henry had a job in a chocolate factory and at one point he was accused of stealing something. Now this is the extent uh, to which a deaf person is is belittled and and uh, treated. Uh, they asked him if he was stealing from them, and he said, no, of course not. I'd never do that. They made him strip naked in front of a woman from their HR department to check and make sure that he didn't have something hiding in his clothes. Now think of that. They would have never done that with a person who was speaking. But Henry was just deaf. So he resigned, uh, sued the company because that's a huge violation of civil rights. But it shows the way that people, not all Colombians, but the way that many people belittle, berate, and, and abuse members of the deaf community. 
I was so excited just an hour or so ago when Juan Pablo told me that Henry has now been ordained and is the first deaf minister of the Christian Fellowship Church in Colombia. That's awesome. Of the entire denomination. Of the entire denomination. That's incredible. That's awesome, man. We know of four pastors in the deaf, of the deaf community right, right, right. in Colombia. One of those is with our church denomination, the Incredible. Christian Fellowship Church. Wow. Um, we recently heard a testimony from a, a, a deaf girl from here within our own congregation. Yes, we did. Uh, I won't name her, but it was honestly uh, so moving, so good. Um, and so much of what she said mirrors and that's what I'm what Juan Pablo exactly. was just describing. Isolation, uh, feelings of loneliness. And the thing she kept coming back to was there were people here that could talk to me, that could understand me. And she has developed. She's developed good friendships here. Yes, she she's has. developed a community that can speak with her, understand her, hear her out, translate for her. Um, and uh, honestly, most moving, though, to me was how she just kept coming back to, you know, but but she, she found Christ. She found Jesus. And, I mean, I, mean, I had to hold the mic. For, for Donna the whole time she was translating and I'm like ready to tear up the entire time because this girl's signing and she's just bawling the whole yeah. time it's it's hard but it was beautiful and uh, if you haven't seen that you can go to our YouTube channel look for the recent baptisms and and see that testimony it was it excellent moving excellent yeah yeah um, and so um, One of the things that I love about what the Rio Negro Church is doing is uh, they don't offer their church for the deaf community to meet in it on their own. They incorporate them well, that's how it should into be. the rest of the church, and that's absolutely how it should be. Right, right. Well, that's um, <laughs> to go on a bit of a tangent here. Not to go on a bit of a tangent. I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole. But um, I, I've I've often wondered if that isn't. I don't know that I fully understand what the Bible means when it talks about speaking in tongues. But to have a translator there to speak the word for the person, um, that is a requirement when somebody speaks in tongues. And I've I've often wondered if there isn't a tie there, if there isn't uh, something to do with. Um, being able to understand each other in that, you know, that that's the well, whole, th certainly acts too. Uh, it, it is not a, uh, an unintelligible language. No, they were it's, earthly it's, language. It's very clearly, it, it's all about clarity. was being translated exactly into others, people languages. And even and when I, the individual didn't know that language. Yeah. I kind of see that reflected here, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably going a little off tilt. I haven't done enough study on that kind of thing, so I can't really speak to it. But it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, prison ministry. Hablamos entonces del ministerio carcelario. Por supuesto. How did this start? ¿Cómo empezó? 
Bueno, el Ministerio Carcelario tiene una historia muy, muy larga. Eh, quien la sabe y, y, la, y la sabe contar muy bien es, es, es Lásides, pero tiene de una otra manera que ver con todo lo que sucedió aquí en Estados Unidos con eh, el asesor de Nixon So the prison ministry in, in Colombia is developed out of uh, prison fellowship, which uh, developed from Chuck Colson, one of Nixon's advisors. Mm. Mm -hmm. Entonces, nace aquí en Estados Unidos, pero luego se com comienza a crecer y, y llega a Colombia. It was born here in the United States, but then it extended to other countries, and it, it came to Colombia. Colombia fue uno de los primeros países que hizo parte de la confraternidad carcelaria internacional. Colombia is one of the first members of the International Prison Fellowship. Y en Colombia, bueno, la confraternidad carcelaria lleva más de 30 años trabajando. So prison fellowship in Colombia has been there for over 30 years now. Wow. Uh, y en Colombia está dividida por, eh, por departamentos, por uh, Colombia is divided by states. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sí. Entonces, cada, en cada departamento, en la mayoría de los departamentos de Colombia, hay una oficina regional. So each state would have its own uh, regional office of prison fellowship. Nosotros trabajamos en el departamento de Antioquia, que es uno de los departamentos más grandes de Colombia. So we work in the state of Antioquia, Antioch, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the largest states en in este Colombia. En este momento en Antioquia hay aproximadamente 18 prisiones que están administradas por el estado. There are 18 prisons in Antioquia that are administered by the state. Okay. Now Uh, one of the things mentioned um, when talking about this earlier was the reintegration of prisoners into the real world. Entonces, antes hablamos de la reintegración de prisioneros uh, sueltos de la cárcel al mundo real. Mm -hmm. Okay. Bueno, ese es uno de los grandes retos, ¿no? Well, that's tenemos. one of the big challenges that we face. Porque una cosa es eh, el trabajo que podemos hacer dentro de la prisión It's one thing to be able to work with the prisoners inside prison. Que es muy interesante y, y hemos tenido eh, unos resultados muy especiales y hemos visto testimonios maravillosos. It's very interesting. We've, we've seen incredible results and powerful testimonies coming out of that. Pero el gran reto, el gran desafío que las personas privadas de la libertad tienen es cuando salen de prisión. But the challenge that a prisoner has is... What does he or she do when they go back into society? Porque de una u otra manera, dentro de la prisión, eh, ellos eh, están las 24 horas allí, eh, tienen demasiado tiempo para compartir en comunidad, como iglesia, orar, leer la palabra. Inside the prisons, uh, they're there 24 hours a day. They got all the time in the world. They can spend their time reading the Bible, praying, talking to each other. Pero cuando salen de la prisión, se enfrentan a una realidad completamente distinta. When they leave prison, they're face to face with a brand new reality. Tienen crisis familiares. There's family crisis that they have. No hay oportunidades de trabajo. Uh, they are frequently not given opportunity to work because they're felons. El 70% de la población privada de la libertad en Colombia nunca ha terminado ni siquiera el bachillerato. 70% of uh, 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 people who have been released from prison have never finished their high school. Entonces, las posibilidades son mucho menores. So, possibilities to find a job are much fewer. Entonces, esto ha significado para nosotros también un reto porque eh, ¿qué hacemos con ellos 
cuando salen de prisión? ¿Cómo los ayudamos? Tenemos un compromiso mientras ellos están dentro, pero eh, nuestro compromiso tiene que ir más allá de eh, simplemente acompañarlos mientras están en prisión. Entonces, durante este año hemos venido trabajando en elaborar un proyecto para atención. Para atención de, de personas que salen de la prisión. Y en este proyecto hay cuatro, cuatro pilares eh, importantes que trabajamos. We have four, uh, in that Entonces está eh, lo, el tema familiar. So we work with the prisoner's family. El eh, psicosocial. We work, uh, with the prisoner. El área productiva y educativa. We work with production and education. Uh -huh. Y el área personal, por supuesto. And then personal uh, area. When you say psychosocially. Psicosocial, ¿qué significa? Okay, tiene que ver con todo el apoyo uh, que le podemos brindar en el acompañamiento psicológico. So, uh, what we're talking about there is his psychological well-being. Y de relaciones interpersonales. Interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Cómo él entonces vuelve a incorporarse y cómo le ayudamos con herramientas que le permiten reincorporarse a su familia, a la sociedad. Lo que me capta la atención es que hay un libro que se llama Tribu. Um, it's about post-traumatic stress disorder that people coming back from the military experience. Es en cuanto a desórdenes post-traumáticos mm -hmm. que mucha gente que sale del ejército pueden sufrir. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of what they experience is because they've lived this one life, this one way of life for so long in this like tribal nature. And I, I'm sure there's, you know, big differences between that and prison life. But it's when you come back from that, everything's turned upside down. It's not what it was before. And now the stress not only comes from, you know, thinking back on the friends you may have lost or the bad things that happened to you there or that you saw, but it's also the fact that this isn't what you've lived for the last so many years. El, el punto del libro es que la gente militar vive en una sociedad muy estructurada mm -hmm. y cuando sale de eso regresa a una realidad sin estructuras. Mm -hmm. uh, encuentran que la vida anterior ya es muy distinta. Hay amigos que, habían, que han perdido. Uh, todo ese cambio produce una tensión, un estrés mm -hmm. en el individuo. Suena mucho como lo que ocurre con uh, la cárcel. Es, yo creo que en gran medida es muy, muy similar. It, it appears to me to be very similar. Yeah. Porque dentro de la prisión también ellos viven en una estructura de horarios, régimen, eh, normas muy, muy estrictas. Inside the prison, 
they live under very strict norms of very regimented day. Entonces, cuando ellos llegan, por ejemplo, a su casa, es otra cosa completamente distinta. Son otros horarios, otra forma de vivir. When they go home, it's totally different. There's a brand new schedule. Nosotros dentro del proceso de investigación que hemos hecho para elaborar el proyecto de pospenado, tuvimos un evento en el mes de julio donde reunimos a casi 60 personas que salieron de la prisión. So in July of this past year, uh, we had an event where we drew together 60 uh, people who had recently been granted their freedom from prison. Y les hicimos varias preguntas porque nosotros desde el principio eh, pensamos en que el proyecto para pospenado tenía que nacer no de lo que nosotros creíamos o creemos que ellos necesitan, sino de sus propias realidades y necesidades. Entonces, por ejemplo, en los grupos que tuvimos de trabajo, eh, alguien, por ejemplo, contaba la historia de su esposo que salió de la prisión y ella decía que durante varios días después de haber salido de la prisión, él se despertaba, se seguía despertando a la misma hora, eh, se bañaba rapidito. Y, y lo más chistoso es que se cepillaba y guardaba el cepillo en el bolsillo, porque esa es la práctica dentro de la prisión. To the very minute at the same time every morning that he had in prison. He would jump in the shower and he'd shower in just a couple of minutes. He would brush his teeth and then stick his toothbrush in his pocket because that's what you did in prison. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, man. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing here, uh, a parallel, is um, actually just this week our sermon uh, talking about Um, we were talking about the LGBTQ community, but our takeaway was <coughs> our action that we should take is to be like Jesus. Jesus was present with people. Jesus listened to what those people had to say. He heard them, and in that, he loved them. And it sounds like that's exactly what this church is doing uh, or this organization is doing um, in meeting these prisoners where they're at, not assuming anything about them, but saying, or, or these ex-prisoners, you know. Um, aquí en la iglesia estamos en medio de una serie de sermones este domingo que pasó. Hablamos de la comunidad uh, LB, uh, L sí. <laughs> <laughs> Different signs. Sure, sure. <laughs> Should start okay. keeping straight. Um, y lo que dijimos es que es necesario escucharles, estar presente con ellos. Uh, suena que eso es lo que están haciendo también con la comunidad de exprisioneros. Mm -hmm. Exactamente. Yeah, exactly. Sí. Eh, las personas que salen de la prisión, eh, de una u otra manera, uh, ya han pagado a la sociedad. So people who have left prison, they've paid their dues to society. Y muchos de ellos quieren vivir una vida diferente. A lot of them when they leave, uh, they want to live a different life from what they had lived before. Pero nosotros como sociedad no estamos preparados para ayudarles a que ellos puedan vivir esa vida diferente. But we as a society aren't prepared to help them live differently. Son personas que están rechazadas. 
Nosotros hemos tenido personas que han salido de la prisión con una transformación especial. We've seen people that have, they've come to Christ in prison, they have been radically transformed, and they've left, they've, they've gotten their freedom. Y han querido superarse y salir adelante. They've wanted to, to improve, they've wanted to advance now in society. Y muchos de ellos con muchas capacidades. And they have capacity, they have abilities and education. Pero hemos tenido personas que han salido y han por ejemplo, se han presentado a algunas empresas para poder trabajar y, y han pasado todos los procesos, todas las pruebas y ya al final, ya casi para firmar contrato, cuando le piden la documentación, en su documento dice que estuvo privado de la libertad. They go through the uh, uh, application process, they go through all of the interviews, they, they, they're ready, the, the company's ready to sign on the dotted line. They ask for their documentation, and they show them the documentation, which includes the fact that they are ex-felons, that they were in prison. Entonces, cuando ellos presentan esa documentación, no importa que hayan pasado todos los filtros, no importa que tengan todas las capacidades, les dicen, no, ya no puedes trabajar acá. some companies, it's, hey, you know, thank you very much for applying, but uh, no, we're going to go different direction. Hmm. It's like... They've served their time, but we have determined that it's, th never there's it's never enough. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much time you've served. You are, you are that, and you will always be that. Yeah. And it's odd es because... It's like we were saying, bueno, pagó su tiempo, pero no basta. Mm -hmm. Nunca. La condena Nunca. se extiende. La condena se extiende. Hasta fuera de la prisión. Sí, hmm. sí, definitivamente. Which is odd because we live in a world that tells us we're not defined by our actions, that we're not defined by, you know, what we've done, that we should forgive and forget, you know, things like that. But then when it really comes to doing it, yeah. we're not so good at it. Lo cual es extraño porque vivimos en medio de una cultura que dice que tus acciones no determinan quién es. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> pero en este caso sí. Sí, sí, sí. Es que la, lamentablemente hay una gran diferencia entre el discurso y, y, y la práctica y lo real. Por ejemplo, el gobierno colombiano tiene beneficios para las empresas que contratan personas que han salido de la prisión. Colombian government has benefits that they offer companies who will contract people who've been released from prison. Pero aún así las empresas no quieren arriesgarse But a contratar a alguien que salió de prisión. View it as a risk to contract somebody who's been released from prison. The, the love of money is the root of all evil, isn't it? <laughs> el amor, el amor a la plata es la raíz de todo pecado. <laughs> um, yeah, wow, that's really interesting, man. Um, So, have you ever, have it, sorry, so not, we've been talking about these people who are reformed and these people who are um, changed and doing better, but on the flip side of that, have you been in dangerous situations? Ha estado en situaciones peligrosas. Hemos estado hablando de personas que han sido transformados. Todos son así? O? <laughs> No, no, no. Uno, uno quisiera que todos fueran transformados. Uh, wish Pero, would be like, like yeah. Pero por, eso, por eso yo les decía que es, para nosotros es importante 
el trabajo que hacemos dentro de la prisión, pero más importante es el trabajo que podemos hacer fuera de la prisión. You know, that's why I'm saying what we do inside the prison is important, but we can't forget it's more important to follow up with those people once they leave and make sure that they're doing well afterward. Accountability. Accountability. Porque hay muchas razones que pueden motivar a una persona que está dentro de la prisión a ser parte, por ejemplo, de alguno de los programas que nosotros tenemos como evangelismo discipulado. There are a lot of reasons why people uh, inside prison might join our church and become involved in evangelism and discipleship. Porque eh, están pasando una situación difícil por estar dentro de la prisión. They're inside prison. They're thinking about their their sins. Porque están amenazados de muerte. Sometimes they've even been threatened with death inside the prison and they're worried about that, looking for answers. Los motiva, por ejemplo, un certificado que nosotros le damos a ellos por participar en alguno de los programas. We also give uh, certificates for participating in our programs. And uh, sometimes they get involved because they want that certificate. Entonces mm -hmm. puede ser fácil que una persona que está privada de la libertad participe en alguno de los programas que nosotros tenemos. So it's relatively easy for somebody to participate in one of our programs inside prison. Pero lo que sucede después cuando sale de la prisión es lo que verdaderamente debiera importar. But when they leave prison, that's when you see what they really feel deep down inside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, oh man, there's a famous quote. Um, I don't remember who said it. It's something about um, a, a good man prays as much on the good days as he does on the bad days kind of thing. It's sort of the same idea. Hay una cita de alguien que dice que el hombre bueno ora tanto en los días buenos como ora en los días malos. Yeah. Um, so in all this, church planting working with the deaf community, um, helping reintegrate prisoners and working with prisoners while they're in prison. Um, in all of this, have, have you felt um, challenged? Have you, have you wanted to resist God's call at times, um, you know, kind of on the natural just response? Um, has it been hard? Entonces, mirando a todo eso, iniciación de iglesias, trabajo con movimientos de iniciación de iglesias, uh, trabajo con la comunidad sorda, pastoreando una iglesia, uh, trabajando en uh, el ministerio carcelario. ¿Ha sido difícil? ¿Ha, ¿Ha habido momentos que has querido decir ya no más? <laughs> sí. Oh, yeah. sí, 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 oh, sí, yeah. sí, yeah. sí, 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 no, no, siempre, no siempre es fácil. It's not always easy. Porque además soy estudiante del seminario a tiempo completo. Because I'm also a student in the seminary. <laughs> oh. Entonces, uh, I'm so sorry. Me too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Entonces, uh, llegan momentos en los que sí, eh, hay cansancio, hay eh, frustración, eh, y uno quisiera decir, ya no más. Hay moments of frustration, of, of fatigue, that, that you want to just say, okay, I've had it. That's it. Pero siempre cuando pasan momentos así, eh, recuerdo las palabras del salmista, el, el Salmo 23. But I remember Psalm 23. Eh, en delicados pastos me hace descansar. He leads me besides the still water, puts me to rest in gentle uh, fields.
ounces of clover. Yeah, you're taken care of. You're, he he no provides. Provee por nosotros. Sí, y eso es, y, y, y ver de una otra manera los resultados. And looking at the results. Ver vidas transformadas. Seeing changed lives. Ver personas como las personas sordas que se sienten amados, se sienten aceptados. Eh, personas que han salido de la prisión y que eh, pueden encontrar una oportunidad, pueden encontrar por lo menos a un amigo que los va a acompañar. Son cosas que eh, valen seeing, más que cualquier cansancio. Seeing people in the deaf community who, who suddenly they have a friend they never had before. Or someone who has, has left prison who uh, you can walk alongside of. Uh, that's more powerful than any fatigue that you would ever feel. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, just the, to anybody that may be listening to this, what would you say about leaning into what God is prompting you to do? A cualquier individuo que esté escuchando que está buscando lo que Dios quiere que haga, ¿qué le dirías? Bueno, nosotros tenemos, eh, bueno, y normalmente misiones, <ríe> se, se usa mucho, ¿no? Es uh, ora por nosotros. So we talk in missions about several things. Uh, pray, pray, pray for us. Uh -huh. Acompáñanos. Come and join us. O dona. Or give. Son, son tres formas en las que las personas pueden that people can get involved can lean into what they feel God calling them to do yeah yeah I like that um, and I mean I think that applies to, to everyday life too you know it's it's um, eso se aplica a la vida diaria también help helping your neighbor helping uh, maybe somebody you don't like so much ayudar al vecino ayudar a uno que no le gusta tanto we're in this uh, rooted group right now reading through it and it was just talking about things as easy as you know uh, at, you know check on your neighbors see if the, you know do you need somebody to watch your kids for 15 minutes while you run and do something uh, you need your trash taken out mirar al vecino decirle al vecino But that's not easy to always do, to go out of your Pero way no for someone else. Fácil and so sí. I commend I commend you for for digging in it. I mean, it, this isn't just like one thing you're doing. You're, Gracias, you're spread thin. You're doing a lot. Por hacer lo que estás haciendo, estás haciendo mucho. <laughs> no, estamos, estamos felices. Estamos felices. De, tenemos un equipo de trabajo tanto el eh, ministerio carcelario como en la iglesia, un equipo de trabajo que nos apoya muchísimo. Eh, nos, no podríamos you know, hacer happy. lo que hemos hecho si no es con, and, por el equipo. Uh, we, we've got a team to work with in the prisons, uh, in the church, and that, that makes it easier to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. got e ellos, hacen, ellos hacen que el trabajo sea, sea sencillo. They make the work easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it helps to have good people around you, right? Ayuda tener gente buena. Sí, sí, sí. tenemos uno. gente muy, muy buena. Uh, we've got good, good people. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, um, I think I'm out of questions. Bien, ya acabé. Ya, ya. No tengo preguntas. 
But uh, I do appreciate you sharing your faith story, uh, your work in the mission field. Agradezco que hayas compartido tu historia de fe, tu trabajo en misiones. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here, Juan Pablo. Gracias por venir. No, gracias a ustedes por permitirme compartir lo que estamos haciendo por las comunidades necesitadas. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, turning in, uh, tuning in here and uh, listening with us, hanging out with us. Um, if you've got questions for us here at Salty Saints, you can send those into Salty Saints at becomehope.com or questions at becomehope.com. And until next time, stay salty. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.